And on this Thanksgiving day, just a short meditation, looking at some scripture. And uh, I, I invite you to pull out the Pew Bible, if you will. We don't, we're not using the screen. So I'd, I'd like you to look at this. It's on page 946 and 947. It's Ephesians 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 3 through 6. And we'll, we'll read those in a, just a couple minutes here. Um, I, think it was, I think it was last Christmas you forwarded a New York Times op-ed piece to me. Didn't you? Do you remember that? Randy forwarded this piece that he saw in the New York Times called The Uncommon Power of Grace. It was really, it's, it's worth Googling when you get home. Uh, the Uncommon Power of Grace, New York Times, it'll, it'll come right up. It's worth reading the whole thing. But I wanted to read just the first paragraph of that little piece that was in the Times last December 23rd, right before Christmas. In his book, What's So Amazing About Grace?, Philip Yancey describes a conference on comparative religions where experts from around the world debated which belief, if any, was unique to the Christian faith. C.S. Lewis happened to enter the room during the discussion when he was told the topic was Christianity's unique contribution among world religions. Lewis responded, Oh, that's easy. It's grace. And, and he was right, really. No, at least no other religion or spiritual philosophy that I know of anywhere in the world puts grace right at the center of everything. Grace, meaning, you know the difference between justice, mercy, and grace? Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is being let off from getting what you deserve. Grace is getting something abundantly greater and better than you deserve. Grace, it's, I mean, we're hardwired, you and I, to think cause and effect. If I do this, then this. You know, it's kind of drilled into us, right? We expect performance reviews and to be rewarded for good performance and confronted on poor performance. And that's just kind of how we work. But grace is completely different. It's, it's unearned, undeserved. It's absolutely free. There's nothing we can do to kind of uh, deserve it. It's offered to everyone. It's humbling for the very reason that we know we don't deserve it. More than that, it's humbling because we know we deserve something. And it certainly isn't grace. If Thanksgiving is about remembering the way God has blessed us and giving thanks for that, remembering grace has to be right at the top of the list. So let me, let me pray for us and then we'll read the Apostle Paul's kind of four-verse summary of God's grace. Let's pray, shall we? Jesus, you are, you are good. Thank you that this day as we gather, we know in our hearts that you are not just a religious idea, that you are a person, a real person who's alive right now and who loves us with a depth of love we can hardly fathom. God, thank you 
for your grace to us. Pour out your spirit upon us. Fill us again with all the fullness of God, all of your goodness, all of your peace, all of your grace. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's read this. It's Ephesians chapter one. It starts right at the bottom of page 946 in in the Bible that you're looking at, if it's the Pew Bible. Here's what Paul wrote. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Friends, indeed, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And keep your Bible open, would you? Just keep it there. We're gonna look back at those, at those verses uh, in a second. This is nothing fancy. This is just a Bible study. Look at verse three. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. At Thanksgiving, we give thanks for the blessings we've received. God is the one who blesses. That's the who. With what? With every spiritual blessing. Not just with some spiritual blessings. With every spiritual blessing blessing by what means through whom in Christ God blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ as as a congregation here at fifth we spent the fall looking at the first four chapters of Paul's letter to the Romans and we kind of surfed through all those all those chapters and came to one of these great uh kind of summary paragraphs, Romans 3, verses 21 through 26, which you fifth regulars might remember one theologian called uh, possibly the most important single paragraph ever written anywhere from all time. And do you remember what that, that paragraph says? Here's just a piece of it again. For there's no distinction There's no difference between any human being anywhere. There's no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. I get when you hear that there's a lot of words, but the three big words in those verses, justified, redeemed, and propitiated. Who uses that word, right? And there are three different kinds of words. The justified word in the original language was a legal word. This is the chief justice of the most supreme court in the universe, God, making a legal declaration This is what is revealed in the gospel. Paul wrote in another place, the 
the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. It means that when we receive Jesus, God makes a legal declaration and our standing is changed. He declares us to be perfectly unbroken just as Jesus was perfectly unbroken. Change in legal standing. How does that happen? It happens through the redemption, the the divine buyback plan. That word was a a word used in business. It was a commercial word. It, it It brought to mind someone going to the slave market and purchasing a slave who was up for sale in the slave market for the sole purpose of setting that slave free through the redemption that came to us in Christ Jesus. God bought us back in Jesus. Jesus, whom he offered as a propitiation for our sins, meaning Jesus satisfied God's wrath. We all get wiggy when we think about God's wrath. It, biblically, it's not a wiggy concept at all. It, it should cause us no concern. In fact, it should cause us great comfort because biblically speaking God's wrath is only about the way God gets angry at evil God doesn't get angry like you and I do getting perturbed and it kind of builds up and then this is simply about God's steadfast resolve never to compromise with evil and that is a very very good thing otherwise there would be no difference between good and evil And in God's goodness and grace, in Christ, God himself satisfied his own anger. That's what propitiation means. And this is the gospel, right? We've received every spiritual blessing in Christ. Then look at the next verse there in the Ephesians piece. For he chose us. This is the explanation as to why Paul can say that we've received every spiritual blessing in Christ. For means because. We've received every spiritual blessing in Christ because, hey everybody, look, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You and I both know that we're not really holy and blameless. This is back to the legal declaration. In Christ, God says, you are now holy and blameless. Even though you're not, I mean, we're on a journey of becoming that actually but in Christ, God declares us to be that. Amazing. The perfectly validating performance record of Jesus copied and pasted onto our resume. Wow. Incredible. Now you might be thinking, it would be natural and predictable if you were, by the way, you might be thinking, now if God chooses some, does that mean that God doesn't choose others? And, and what does that say about God? Is he giving people a fair shake here? Think, think about the larger message of scripture, would you? Uh, the best of the Christian theological tradition has always understood this notion of God choosing, divine election, predestination, whatever you want to call it, has understood this idea of God choosing as the most comforting of Christian doctrines. And it has always been understood in the positive sense that God chooses people before we can ever choose God. 
This, by the way, is why we in our tradition are perfectly comfortable baptizing infants because faith is ultimately more about what God is doing than what we are choosing, though we have responsibilities there. A lot, lot larger conversation, right? But God chooses us. Does that mean that God doesn't choose other people? Think of what the Bible says. It's really clear. It's God's will, says the scripture, that all people would come to a knowledge of the truth and be saved. All people, everywhere. The scripture says that very clearly. The whole story of the Bible is the story of God being so committed to this desire to to reinitiate a relationship with everyone everywhere that he came here personally, moved into our neighborhood is the way Eugene Peterson translated the Gospel of John, that, that first chapter. That God moved into our neighborhood in Jesus, became our neighbor so as to understand everything we were going through for the purpose of winning us back to him and ultimately to that die the death that was due to us, to bear the judgment we deserve, to satisfy God's wrath on our behalf, to pay for us, to buy us for the sole purpose of setting us free. And this is the gospel. I mean, this, this is, this is the, the mission that Jesus shared with his disciples. Remember when he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All nations literally means Make disciples of everybody everywhere, not just a couple Christians in every country around the world. The mission is to share this with everybody. See, everything in the Bible about God choosing people is oriented toward helping us understand the depth of God's grace to us. Like like a little baby, unable to feed ourselves, unable to sustain ourselves, 100% dependent upon our parents. That is the way we are to God. We don't even bring a tenth of 1%. It's 100% dependence. And God picked us. Look at the next verse. In love, he predestined us, chose us for adoption to sonship through Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In in love, not in judgment now, in love, God predestined us, chose us in advance. For what? For adoption. To legally join another family. To be accepted in to another family, to receive a new name and a new identity in Christ. We've got a wonderful family who are members of this church. The wife was married previously and had a couple daughters and um, married a man. They're, They're members of our church and the two daughters have so appreciated the loving care of their their father now, not their biological father, that they would like to be adopted. They want his name. See, God picked us and gave us a new name, a new identity. We're part of a new family, primarily. Right, as followers of Jesus, our primary, primary identity is child of God, 
loved, really, really loved by God. These are not just religious rumblings in the silo of our church life. This is what's really going on in the world. God loves people, really. And this is incredible news. See, at Thanksgiving, we bless God for all the blessings we've received. And Paul says our chosenness is the explanation of this every spiritual blessing idea that we've received from God. See, our our chosenness is the foundation of our thankfulness. So let that one rumble around in there today. I when I was serving the church back in Iowa before I came to Fifth here, I was I was at Meredith Drive Church in Des Moines, Iowa, and involved in this course called the Alpha Course, which is a way of kind of introducing uh, folks to the basic claims of the Christian faith. It's really a, a great thing. And um, in that capacity, I had an opportunity to meet some of the leaders. And I, I met one of the primary leaders, a guy named Nicky Gumble. He's the pastor of a church uh, in London and the leader who's largely made this thing kind of grow internationally. But in, in the midst of the course, Nicky tells a story about a, a young boy he knew who was adopted, an, an elementary age kid. And on the playground, the, the kids were just relentlessly teasing him about being adopted. Oh, you're adopted. And finally, after some coaching from his parents, one day when he was being teased about being adopted, he said, hey, to these kids, right? Hey, your parents were stuck with you. My parents picked me. God picked you in Christ. Not kinda, really. The Lord picked you. Not because he had to, because he wanted to. Our chosenness is the foundation of our thankfulness. And thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.